The Gut Pharmacist Podcast with Riley Ramosco, traditional naturopath and holistic nutritionist. We hear the word IBS all the time. It's like a buzzword. Everyone has it. Oh, I have IBS. My stomach is just sensitive, but doctors don't know why. IBS is an umbrella term and it should not be used as a diagnostic, yet it commonly is, but it always has root causes. And if there's a cause for your digestive issues, you deserve to know about it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Why IBS isn't a proper diagnosis and what are the actual root causes. And as always, if you know the root causes, you can fix it. The only true IBS diagnosis is when you have positive antibodies from something called post-infectious IBS. This is from food poisoning. And this is when you know you have nerve and motility damage from gastroenteritis. This is the only time when IBS is an acceptable diagnosis. But when do you ever hear about this? Pretty much never unless you're up to date and listen to all the big names in gastroenterology, but who does that for fun except for me? (laughs) In average medical clinics, you never hear the term post-infectious IBS. So why are so many people being misdiagnosed with IBS, and what does it even mean? Irritable bowel syndrome. In my opinion, it is just the model of care that is given to patients in clinics today. Doctors are overworked, underpaid for their work, and up to ears in student loan debt. Not to mention they always have those insurance companies hanging over their shoulders. They can only do so much, and it's unfortunate for the patient. So it's easy to diagnose someone with IBS when the insurance company bills very easily for this, and the doctor has given you a label, now they've done their job, and they can send you on their way with the diagnosis. If so many people have IBS, then what is really causing the issue? That's the big question. That's why you're here. That's the bread and butter. So what are the causes of IBS? I'm finally going to get into this now. There are multiple root causes of irritable bowel syndrome, but I'm going to talk about the three most common that I see in my traditional naturopathy practice. There are a lot more than three, and everyone is really unique, so keep that in mind. But the three I most commonly see are SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, dysbiosis, and secretion deficiencies. So what do these three things mean? I'll get into each of them. There are also other root causes like mold, stealth pathogens, nervous system dysregulation, And even simple things that are overlooked, like not chewing properly, rushed eating, drinking too much with meals. So the three most common that I see, though, are the SIBO, dysbiosis, and secretion deficiencies. Other practitioners might tell you otherwise because they may see different types of patients or clients and they see different things. But these are the ones I most commonly see. And the good news is that even the literature is verifying that IBS has root causes. It's due to other things. So we're getting in the right direction with research, but it is going to take a while. But luckily, you're here today listening, 
And that means you're already ahead of the game. <laughs> so let's get into the three. SIBO, dysbiosis, and secretion deficiencies. So I'm going to start with SIBO. Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. This is something that's getting a lot of attention these days. There's the small intestine, which is smaller in diameter, but much longer and takes up most of the abdomen. It's commonly the guts that you see spill out of scary movies. That's the small intestine. Then there's the large intestine, also known as the colon. This is where most of our microbiome or microbiota resides, which consists of mostly bacteria, but also fungi, viruses, archaea, and very small amount of pathogens. We all have pathogens in our gut. That's normal. But we need about an 80% or more ratio of good to bad. Okay, the small intestine has a lot less organisms compared to the large intestine. We're talking less than a thousand bacteria per milliliter compared to one trillion in the colon that we know about. It could be even more, who knows? We don't know about the ocean, we don't know about space, and we really don't know about our bodies very much yet. Um, so the small intestine is not necessarily sterile, but it is compared to the large intestine or the colon. Now, when these organisms in the small intestine get out of balance from low stomach acid, low bile, low enzymes, motility dysfunction, valve dysfunction, etc., they can overgrow and cause small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, or SIFO, which is fungal, but that's a completely different topic. We're going to talk about bacteria today. It is now said that SIBO is the most common cause of IBS symptoms. So some symptoms to look for. If you have severe bloating, you look like you're pregnant all the time, primarily in the upper abdomen, super bloated, super gassy, you have food sensitivities, and even other widespread symptoms like fatigue, brain fog, even histamine intolerance, you might have SIBO. And you can verify this with a three-gas breath test with a lactulose substrate. There's also the two-gas breath test with either glucose or lactulose, but one, glucose is not the best substrate. And two, you need all three gases, which are methane, hydrogen, and hydrogen sulfide, to get a complete picture. If you only test for one or two, you're not getting the whole story, so keep that in mind. But in general, if your gut feels extremely irritable, primarily in the first one to two hours of eating, you definitely want to look into SIBO. When something is more delayed, like three, four, maybe five hours, that's most likely the colon. So this is more firsthand symptoms within the first one to two hours. That's something like SIBO in the small intestine or SIFO. But we're primarily looking at the small intestine in this case. And if SIBO is causing your IBS, why not know about it and why not fix it? Okay. One of the most common contributors to SIBO, I want to leave you with this, is a dysfunction of the migrating motor complex. This can be due to anything that slows motility, like thyroid issues, damage from food poisoning, et cetera, nervous system dysfunction. It's motility that's the primary issue with SIBO because we have this migrating motor complex that comes in and sweeps out the small intestine. 
that's when you hear that grumble. A lot of people think it's the hunger grumble, but that's actually the MMC working. It's clearing the debris, the bacteria, the food, sweeping it all the way to the colon where most of the waste goes. So the small intestine has its own cleaning process. This type of motility is not bowel movements. It will not be fixed with laxatives. I want to make that clear. It's a different type of motility. Okay, so anything that can impair this type of motility with the MMC migrating motor complex will contribute to SIBO. So SIBO is commonly treated as an infection and it can't be treated as such because it has this root cause. We have to dig deeper. So work with a practitioner that can go deeper with you. I just wanted to leave you with that. And again, if you, if, if you have SIBO, and there's a potential fix for it for your IBS symptoms, you need to know about it. So hopefully that helped you. That was SIBO. Now, number two, dysbiosis. Dysbiosis may or may not include infections. Overall, dysbiosis just means that the microbiome is imbalanced and the proportion of bad to good has been compromised. It could even mean that you just have less good organisms and maybe you don't even have any infections. You just need some work on your good. Then on the other end, if you have maybe good but a severe gut infection, or maybe you have low good and a lot of bad, either way, if the microbiome has been altered in any way from antibiotics, food trauma, food poisoning, it will result in dysbiosis. Dysbiosis can also contribute to leaky gut, which is another contributor to IBS symptoms. I had a very mild form of dysbiosis. I just had very low good strains. I didn't have any gut infections, but this was one factor to my IBS symptoms. And then I had issues with thyroid, adrenal, nervous system dysregulation. I had a lot of things going on. So finding someone who can help you put the pieces together will help you find your potential fix to the IBS symptoms. Okay, so I had very low keystone strains. If I ever did end up with an infection, I could have potentially had some issues. So it's very important to keep a healthy microbiome. Not to mention the negatives of not having a healthy microbiome in general, like low mood support, immune, hormonal, etc., and on and on. So that's dysbiosis, and it's pretty safe to say that most people suffer with it these days from diet, pesticides, acting like antibiotics on the gut, causing leaky gut, overused antibiotics, which affect the good, of course, medications that can alter the microbiome and cause leaky gut stress, etc. So dysbiosis, overall a compromise in the balance of the microbiome. That's dysbiosis. And lastly, secretion deficiencies. A lot of people have no idea what this means, and this is not a term that's commonly used. It's something that I pretty much use myself. When I talk about secretions, I am referring to all the digestive secretions from saliva to stomach acid to pancreatic enzymes to bile enzymes and to brush border enzymes. So all these different secretions of these various digestive organs. These are all essential in digestive function. We need to make sure that we're secreting properly so that we can absorb our food 
and so that it's not left in larger pieces, which can either cause the microbiome to feed off and create even more gas and discomfort or allow bacteria to ferment and extract more calories. This is very common in the methane type of SIBO, by the way, which is why people with methane SIBO tend to gain weight easier. But back to the point. It's very important for our food to be broken down properly for many reasons. So we need secretions. That starts with the brain. As you can see, I always try to connect the dots and go deeper. It can get pretty complicated, but hopefully I can simplify everything enough for you. But with secretions, we need to not just take enzymes or HCL. We need to go deeper than that. We're not going to fix it just with supplements. We need to regulate the nervous system when we're trying to regulate the gut. And that starts with working on the vagus nerve which you can gag, gargle, hum, sing, chant, cold showers. You can look up many things for vagus nerve stimulation. I also have a YouTube video on explaining stimulation for the vagus nerve. Also, belly breathing before meals, getting into that rest and digest mode, not eating distracted or rushed or in the middle of something stressful, and chewing, simply chewing 20 to 30 times, will help activate all the enzymes that you'll ever need in your body. But, well, I shouldn't say that because some people do have low secretions and low pancreatic function. That's, that's a case. But in general, most people can benefit from just chewing. That helps to activate their own enzymes. It is very important to chew, and I've talked about this a few times already in my other episodes, if you've done all these things, working on the nervous system, chewing, not drinking with meals, etc., and maybe you're still a low secretor, maybe due to thyroid issues, unresolved trauma, or anything else, you can definitely supplement to help relieve some symptoms and help your body absorb better. But just remember, supplements will not fix you. You have to regulate the nervous system. That's probably the deepest level. And of course, releasing emotional trauma. That's another onion. It's always peeling the onion layers with healing. But yes, you can definitely supplement to help your secretions. I love HCL. I love it more than digestive enzymes because HCL can help activate those enzymes in the pancreas because the pancreas, pancreatic enzymes are a buffer for the stomach acid. So they all rely on one another. Same thing with the brush border and also the gallbladder enzymes. They all kind of work together. So as long as we have the nervous system working properly, the stomach acid secreting, we can pretty much say that the rest of the chain will likely do well. So I love HCL more than enzymes, but they're growth, both great supplements. And definitely don't forget the liver. A lot of people don't realize how important the liver is in many processes, but also digestive processes. The liver creates bile for the gallbladder to secrete when there's fatty food present. This is how we digest and absorb fat, not to mention other things like releasing toxins and excess estrogens. Bile is very important, and we can help this flow better by one, working on the liver with things like castor oil packs, herbs like milk thistle and bitters, and I especially love tudka. This is a supplement to help stimulate bile flow, which is really great for those who don't have gallbladders or have gallbladder dysfunction, 
and also those with cholesterol, thyroid, and estrogen imbalances because bile can help regulate those processes. But overall, just make sure that the HCL, the enzymes, and the TUDCA would be appropriate for you and always verify with stool testing or uh, some other type of testing. You know your body the best, so just make the, pro the appropriate judgment there. So that was secretions. We talked about the top three reasons for IBS that I see in my practice, the SIBO, dysbiosis, and secretion deficiencies. Again, other practitioners might tell you differently based on what type of clients or patients that they see. And I'd love to highlight some other honorable mentions for different IBS contributors. So in the beginning, I mentioned mold. I mentioned stealth pathogens and nervous system regulation. And these are also very common. So please remember that the highlighted causes I've gone over may not be your causes. And simple things like chewing, not drinking with meals, or not having rushed eating, those all definitely need to be considered first before you go for testing, even before you start supplementation. Always start with the basics. And if you have something like mold or stealth pathogens, those definitely need to be dealt with. But the biggest takeaway from today I want you to receive is that irritable bowel syndrome has root causes and you shouldn't have to live with this umbrella diagnosis when there's a chance that you could potentially be free of it. If there's a cause, you deserve to know about it. You shouldn't have to accept it and just live with it because a lot of people do suffer and it's just not right if there are solutions. So I hope this helped you and empowered you to search for root causes of illness as always. That is always my goal, to empower the people and activate their own biological healing potential and look at illness in a different way. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to the Gut Pharmacist podcast. Please support by following, rating, and sharing so that I can keep this new podcast going and help empower the world in their healing journeys. Thank you again. Stay healthy and happy. Hey there. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram at gutexpertriley, on Facebook at The Gut Pharmacist, same spelling as this podcast, on YouTube at The Gut Pharmacist, and my website is holisticriley.podia.com, where you can find information on working with me, my background, and more helpful information to feel empowered in your journey.